Welcome to KathleenWitten.org. We believe that Kathleen's message will inspire you, encourage you, and give you a fresh perspective on life. Now, here's Kathleen. You know, God just kind of named this building faith together. It wasn't something that I sat there and talked about with Annie or Corey. It just was like... When, when the message went out, it was like building faith together. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, wait, we're together. There's two of us. There, we're all spouses and we're supposed to be building faith. And so I for, for sure thought I was going to be teaching on building. And I even was kind of excited to present more, um, archaeological and, um, just a lot of historical evidence on Jesus. Cause I don't think we hear enough about that to where it's quite interesting for us and we have that backing of apologetics that we can actually tell someone, well, did you know that this historian, you know, this Roman historian wrote this or that jo- Joseph, Josephus or Joseph, the Jewish historian wrote this about Jesus and that there is more archaeological evidence of his resurrection than pretty much anything in history. But God had a different idea. I'm, I have to go backwards. I can't even start with... Um, building faith together. I had to start with together. And so tonight, um, I get to talk about together. And one thing I'm really thankful about is, um, that Lacey lets me just kind of lay things out there. And that's the only way I think if, if we can all be real. Um, but you know, we're, we are together. I mean, this is your spouse. It's two people that God has gathered together to be married and, and versus being apart. And um, I was just thinking this morning, you know, there's a lot of things. We've been together since we've dated three years and married 25, so 28 years. And I've just been thinking there's a lot of things that can separate us and that have separated us. You know, we have, we do not have the perfect marriage. Um, I'm not the perfect spouse. He's not the perfect spouse. And we're here to learn more through Christ and to grow separately as individuals, but also together. Um, but the first thing I want to just get out of the way is, um, how many of you think, oh, thank God, this is for my spouse? <laughs> oh, I'm lazy. Oh, my gosh. I just want to get that out there. But it is so funny because you'll hear like a couple's Bible study, you'll be like, that's exactly what my spouse needs, you know? And then God's laughing because he's like, no, you're the one that needs it. Well, we all do. And um, we all need to stay together. And it's tough. I mean, 51% of marriages um, end a divorce, and that's not any judgment on anyone. It's just hard. I mean, um, I, I can have people tell me, oh, yes, we're so happy we've been dating for a month. And I'm like, great. We've been married for 25 years. It's a little different, you know. And um, it's just way different. And then you throw kids in the picture and you throw this and that. And just things that can separate us. I was just thinking emotionally that emotionally we can get separated. We can get separated by addiction. None of us are our at all immune from that. Um, finances, over-demanding extended family. I know no one in this room has that problem. Excessive busyness, finances, children's needs, illness, life cycles, but also core spiritual beliefs. And 
that's one thing that I want us to build and grow together. Because when you have the same core spiritual belief and you know why you have it, it's not just I was born this and so we're this way, but you know really what you believe and why. It just makes life so, it just makes marriage so much easier. Lacey and I just, just I just wanted to be real open and, and raw with you all about us because I figured that if we were like kind of like naked in front of the group, it'd be better that y'all wouldn't feel so like, oh great, you know, here I am with my spouse or here my spouse has sent me and <laughs> I don't even want to be here or whatever. And um, But we're so different. I mean, completely different. Just like probably you figured out after about a month that you and your spouse that you thought were so much alike in every aspect and area are so different. And I'm just like very um, passionate and a passionate people person is more who I am. And he's more of a practical project person. So you marry this, you know, passionate people person with this project type A person. And then God goes, and now try to get along. We're like, oh, right. Yeah, that's going to work. Because I'm flitting over there and flitting over here. And he's like organizing the garage and, you know, things that don't seem like a big deal. But after years and years, you kind of go, does everyone's spouse drive them nuts like mine? Or is it just me? Or is it them? It's got to be them. No, it's just me. And then you just, no one says anything to everyone. Because in Texas, you're supposed to say, hi, how are you doing? fine, how are you? You're not supposed to say, well, actually, I'm sufficiently challenged in my marriage. Just wanted to let that out there. He could pray for us, thanks. You know, that's just not right. I'm Bohemian, and actually, I really am Bohemian. My great-grandmother, her her last name was Bohemian, and when Lacey found that out, he was like, that explains everything. (laughs) And he's a boulder. I mean, he's just solid as a rock, even keel, you know, and so totally different people, but we've been together for 28 years. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. There are times that I know he's such a gentleman. He hasn't really told me times that he's wanted to leave, but there's been times that I've totally wanted to leave. And I've even debated, take the kids, don't take the kids, take the kids, don't take the kids. Leave for a week. Maybe he will notice, you know, leave her. I mean, that over, over 28 years, you just get like, can we really work this out, you know? And it doesn't even have to be about you. It can be just extenuating circumstances that we all have in our marriages and our children and things that are just um, where we're at our wit's end, really. And with us, we've been through leukemia, with me having leukemia and told I was going to die and um, 11 back surgeries. And so Lacey's been the caregiver a lot. And my last back surgery was... 14 hours, and I've been in a body cast for two different years for a year, and um, I died. And, I mean, my story, my sisters say that if they didn't know me, they would think I was a chronic liar. Because our marriage has been not one that's been super easy. Like, oh, well, we own a, you know, nice place to go on the weekends, and all of our dogs come when we call them, and our children are always ready and washed for dinner whatever. I don't know anyone like that, but that's the way that, that the world kind of presents itself. And so you think as a Christian, you know, why are we struggling so hard? You know, this can be really hard. Are we only the only ones? And, um, you're not, believe me, we're in here with you. And still we have situations where we 
We never, ever, ever fight. We just agree, disagree really loudly. I just want to get that across to all of you. Yeah. So, in other words, yeah. Um, but, I mean, there are times where you're barely hanging on. I was thinking of the time that we went, do you remember this? When we went skiing and the ski lift, they used to not have those bars. And it it flipped. And I flipped out and ended up over this ravine holding on to Lacey's pole. So I was holding on to Lacey's pole over a ravine. So he couldn't let go of the pole. And I couldn't let go of him. And I was just thinking, that is so marriage, because I'm like over this ravine, and I don't, you know, if it ever occurred to him to go, you know, I really could just let go of this pole and go start over, you know, like, oh, darn, you know, or I could just let go and go, I didn't mean to, but oh well. And so sometimes we're just barely hanging on, and then there's times in our relationship where it just feels like labor, you know. I know all of us have had different kinds of of labor when we've had children. I was one of those people that had 18 hours of hard labor. I'd had so many back surgeries, the epidurals didn't take. She was an eight-pound baby, and so it was like Little House on the Prairie. And I was like, it's not supposed to be like this. I wasn't screaming or anything like that, but I just kept looking at Lacey like, you know... (laughs) And anyway, it just seems like sometimes marriage like that too. Like it was the last epidural. It was the seventh epidural that they used a tiny needle that they don't even use anymore and threaded it up. And and it worked just enough. And I won't go into graphic detail, but since we're all couples with kids, I think you can handle that. But it feels like sometimes our marriages are in labor. Like it's like, when is this going to be over, you know, and then you go on to the next season, and then the next season, you know, and, um, and then there are times where we're physically apart, praying, you know, sometimes we are physically apart, we're just praying for each other, Lace went and adopted our youngest son, Storm, from Armenia, and um, we were apart basically a total of four weeks, but he flew to Armenia, and we had to pray separately. We were 11-hour time difference, and yet we had to act as one spouse, you know, one person, um, and praying together. And he just worked so hard. That was his labor, really, was was having Storm. And, of course, I was completely delighted when Storm's first word was mommy. <laughs> It's totally unfair, you know. Maddie's first word was daddy, and then her second word was amen, because she figured out really early that was the way to get me to shut up when we were driving around. Because I would pray a real long time in the car, and she was really little, and she'd go, amen. I was like, you're the only kid I know whose first, second word's amen. But yeah, we have four children. We have Matlin, Matlin, Storm, and Storm. And I do not say, I mean, I say that in jest, but I don't say that in jest, because... You know, some kids are easy and some are extra blessings. <laughs> and I mean, I seriously, I mean, I've gone with people and watched their children at, at restaurants and things. And I'm like, our children would not act like that if we drugged them, you know, in all honesty. So I'm just being honestly, that's been a huge challenge in our life, just having kids and it's no longer his orderly world and my bohemian world and we fit together and oh how nice it is but just oh wait where did you come from and when did you take over the house you know 
and Maddie's 19, and Storm is um, 12, but I always introduce them as Matlin, Matlin, Storm, and Storm, because they're like having four. And so I don't know, I'm sure for you too, parenting has proved interesting. Like you learn a lot about your spouse when you parent that you would have never known had you not had kids because you you learn just what their strengths are and their weaknesses. And um, like Lacey's a great disciplinarian and I have to stop myself from laughing, really, which is horrible because usually the child has done something horrible and, I'll, and I have to like cover up that I think it's really funny, you know, when they do that and he's over there like, don't, don't, don't. So we kind of have to level each other out. But then also you all leveling each other out there's also that kind of like where you rub each other wrong sometimes too because we're trying to do the best thing by our kids, but we're doing, we're human, you know. Um, we go through cycles in marriage. Like last year we lost both of Lacey's parents and they were like my parents. I had met them when I had just turned 18 years old. So um, that was, that's a cycle and that's a cycle that, will all be going through or some of you have gone through that's just you have to just have that strength of your spouse to lean on and need that you know even in your imperfectness and in their imperfectness and that was kind of part of what I wanted so much with this Bible study was to really be able to be closer to Christ but be closer to Christ and the word and the Bible together it just seems like I've been in a lot of, you know, where I've taught just women or I've spoken at this conference or whatever. But very few times have there been spouses together that could hear it together and discuss it together. So it makes a huge, huge difference. I like this verse in Ecclesiastes. It says, um, Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. Two are better than one because if they have a good... Excuse me. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. And I can't, I can't even think of how many times I had to have Lacey lift me up where there is no way I could lift myself up. I mean, even physically speaking, after that 14-hour back surgery, I mean, he... I had to shower me for months and months and months. I even had to have friends come over and shower me. It's very humbling, but, you know. And then there are times where I've had to lift him up in a different kind of way. And and it's not usually when you're strong. It's usually you're lifting the spouse up when you too are weak, you know. But it's like you have each other. Even if, even if you an hour earlier wanted to kill each other, you still have each other. And that's what's so important is that word together because God put us together. And gosh, I through it all, we've made mistakes. We've fought. We've forgiven. We've um, made more mistakes. We've not been there for each other. We've been there for each other. We've fallen through. We've come through. We've not come through. Um, I mean... We have stuff just between the two of us that I'm so thankful that we have. And I know that you all have similar things. And that's that that intimacy that you have with your spouse that you don't have with anyone else, you know, except for God. 
And then God knows your spouse and knows you better than you know your spouse and better than you know you, which is always reassuring because half the time I don't even know what I'm thinking. So, and I used to expect Lacey to know. That was the other thing that when we first got married, I was like, okay, now we're married, so you're going you're gonna to meet all my needs. Oh, well, that didn't work. <laughs> I should have put that across right away. So God, God doesn't allow us to do that, but he does do some miraculous stuff with, with marriage in that I love to say, you know, how Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And I love the fact that Jesus is the truth. And in my life, in your life, there are facts, like there are facts that a doctor could tell you, like that my bone marrow was 95 to 99% dysplasic when I had bone marrow cancer. That was a fact. But then truth, God, Jesus, can override facts. And that's called a miracle. And that is one of the most amazing things about being a Christian is you're not just out and you've got this marriage and you've got to make it work. You've got truth behind you that can override the fact that either you or your spouse has an addiction that you wish you didn't have. That either you or your spouse um, has an anger deal you wish you didn't have. That one of your kids is really ill. That you're going through a horrible financial situation. You know, if this was just a class on marriage, we would be like, now these are the steps we'll go through to try to make things better. But it's so cool for us to say, no, we have a God who loves us, who is the truth, and who can override if we trust him and give it to him and really believe even facts. And so I love that because there's no, there's nothing that you don't, that you have to give up hope for in your marriage. You don't have to just totally give up hope. Well, I'm going to just give up hope on that. Um, there's stuff I'm still praying that Lacey changes, and I know he is. He is. It started tonight. It's really exciting. Oh, my gosh. Um, but I was thinking about, too, that God wants us to know that he put us together And it doesn't have anything to do with right now, all of us as couples moving in the right direction. Because I can guarantee you, we aren't all moving in the right direction. It doesn't have anything to do with feelings. What? No, it doesn't. Really, it doesn't. I mean, commitment is like a decision. And sometimes feelings are there and sometimes feelings aren't. But it really doesn't have anything to do with feelings. And it has everything to do with God. And he's the miracle worker. And that's what gives me excitement and gives me hope and hope for marriages and Christian marriages is because so often, so silently, we're screaming like, I want to stay with this person and I love this person, but we drive each other crazy or we are, we have our backs up against the wall and this needs to change or this needs to change. And one of the things I've heard Lacey say over the course of all these years is it just seems like sometimes God doesn't move until your back is up against the wall and you've tried everything else. And then all of a sudden God moves, you know, and the difficulty is as a spouse being the one to pray and support and love and love is not a feeling. Love is sacrificial. Uh, you know, when we got married, no one said that. They didn't say, okay, now exchange rings. Love is sacrificial. And she throws up. 
You're going to have to get a towel and clean it up off the floor before the dog gets it. I mean, no one told us that. You know, it's all just beautiful and, you know, friends and walking down the aisle. And you just don't know that. And then you realize, no, it's really just the way Jesus loved is what it is. Um, marriage is under attack because it is the most, it's the thing on earth that most represents our relationship with God is two people to come together and be one and to be as one body. And so it's totally under attack because it represents God's love for us, God in us, us in God, Christ in us, as we've asked him, if you have to be your Lord and your savior, not just your savior, but also, Hey, I want you to have control of my life. I'm, done, you know, 50 years of messing it up and I'm going to trust you to undo it, you know, or I've halfway given you control or I take it back every morning or whatever. We kind of learn, we go through those phases of learning and it's exciting to finally let go and to be, and just have that peace that surpasses all understanding. And, um, but in marriage, we have this sacrificial love that's just like God's sacrifice for us. And I think it's so interesting that wives, and and I was just looking back at a few scriptures, and you have to remember my computer died, so I was trying to thumb through our archaic Bible. Like, I didn't even know what paper was anymore. I was like, oh, wow, I know what this verse is. But, you know, wives are called to, to respect and honor their husbands. But it's interesting, God doesn't call us to do the same thing. Husbands are called to love their wives like Christ loves the church. So husbands are called to love their wives sacrificially, like they would give their life, they would give anything. Love their wives like Christ loved the church. And then wives are called to respect and honor their husbands. And what's interesting about that is it's so cyclical. Because if in any part of that, one person isn't doing that, it breaks, it falls apart. So you can see how, um, you know, and, and there is a lot of husbands that are like, oh, I would die for my wife. Really? Well, she asked if you would stay home for her birthday this weekend. Oh, I'm going hunting. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, and so we got to rethink that or... You know, I really honor my husband, only that decision was so stupid he just made. And da, da, da. No, you know, i got to be really careful I don't malign his name. And that doesn't mean we've always done everything right. I'm not giving us as an example. Lord, please don't take us as an example. but Or take us as an example of things that we've done wrong or right, but um, not perfect. So I love that, though, for us to keep believing and understanding. If, if a husband is to love his wife like Christ loved the church, Christ gave everything for the church. And if you really give everything for your wife, like, I will give up my time. I will give up my right to be right. Did anyone hear that one? <laughs> I will give up... I will sacrifice, you know, even this hobby or even making more money if you need me to be home more with the kids, whatever it is, then she's going to respect and honor you. It's difficult when one side isn't and the other side is or the other side isn't. 
in one side. It's, it's difficult to want to sacrifice and give everything to your wife if you feel like she doesn't respect me, she doesn't honor me, you know? And then it's difficult as a wife to want to respect and honor if you feel like, you know, he doesn't really love me. He doesn't really sacrifice for me. So it's just something that we'll talk about over the next few weeks. But I think the other reason that there's so much attack, at least spiritually, on marriage is because of the power of togetherness. The power of agreement, you know. And if you think about anything that happens in a marriage, it's discord or miscommunication or disagreement. And if you think that that's just happening and that the enemy doesn't have any part to play in that, then you need to open your eyes because there's so much power in the agreement between a spouse. It's the two people on earth that it's the most powerful unit to agree in prayer over your children, to agree agree in prayer over your marriage, to agree in prayer over your job, to agree in prayer over each other. And so the enemy always wants to tear down that power of agreement. Matthew 18 says, Truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree on anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. And then it also says in the next verse, When two or more are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. Well, yeah, that can mean two Christians, but when you think about two married people that are one person in agreement, That is the most powerful force on earth. And the enemy shakes in his boots and does not want marriages to be in agreement because you hold, like Matthew 18, 18 says, the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And with your spouse, that power of agreement is, he knows that that can break strongholds in the heavenlies and that can literally turn fact maybe bad facts into truth which then we go wow that was a miracle and you're like wow we agreed in prayer but it's amazing about the little stupid things we disagree about you know like putting one sock inside another like out of the laundry when we first got married He's such a perfectionist. I wasn't even going to tell this, but the Holy Spirit just came upon me. <laughs> he is such a perfectionist. That I remember he looked in his drawer, and i just done the laundry, and he was like, um, if you put one of my socks inside the other sock, it'll stretch out one sock, and one will be bigger than the other one. I was like, I think your ankles are bigger than that. And he was like, well, just kind of fold them. So I think for about 10 years, I just folded them together. And then after a while, he was stuffing them, you know, just as long as they match, my gosh, just get them in there. And then now we're at the point of it's dark blue and it's black. You wear them. It doesn't even matter. We don't even care. It doesn't even matter anymore. If the dog hasn't torn a hole in it, it's great. Um, our agreement is the thing most attacked. That's just one thing that I want us to think about tonight and think about with your spouse. Like if, if, if I asked you tonight just privately, okay, think for a moment, what's the most attacked in your relationship? And you could make a generality like that. It would have to be our agreement to do this or not to do that. Our agreement to raise the kids this way or not that way. Our agreement to take these steps 
or not take these steps. And sometimes it's our agreement of what our spouse needs to be doing. Like, I can tell you a whole lot of things Lacey should be doing, you know? And he could tell you a whole lot of things I should be doing. But that's why I asked you, you know, are you here for you or are you here for your spouse? Because you've got to be here for you, you know? So often we're like, well, finally got my spouse to a Bible study. Praise God, you know? He needs it. And then God's going, no, everyone needs it. We all need it. I need it. You know, and that's what's so good about just the humbleness of being able to be real. One of the things that we learn about agreeing with one another is something also that I've had to learn with God. I was on a walk one time, and I don't know if you've ever just been overwhelmed by, I just was opening up my heart to just things in my life, and I was just seeing, um, God was just showing me this was wrong that I was doing, and this was wrong I was doing, and this was a wrong way of thinking, and this was a wrong way of perceiving things, and this was wrong, and I started to just get overwhelmed, and I was like, God, I can't change all this. I can't change all this at one time, and it was so powerful to hear in my heart the Holy Spirit say, I'm not asking you to change all this. I'm just asking you to agree with me. And so I was just on the walk going, okay, yeah, I agree. I think I have this problem. And it was like so easy. I was like, okay, I agree. I have this problem. Or I want to be better at this. I agree. I don't know how I'm going to be, but I agree with you, God. And that's key in our marriage, too, is sometimes just to say, I agree that I hear you. I don't know what we're going to do, but I agree. And God will give us the next step because we're not on our own. Like we're just married and we're out there and there is no God and good luck. You know, we are, thank God we have a heavenly father that, that loves us, hears us and wants us to reflect to the world him through our marriages. And then again, that's why our marriages are so attacked is because he doesn't, the enemy doesn't want, and believe me, there is spiritual warfare, and we'll talk about that too, but he doesn't want for God to get the glory. He doesn't want for God to go, gosh, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so have been married, and they haven't had it easy, and they're still together. Why? You know, they haven't had a breeze, and they're still together. You know? Um, I do have, like, a little assignment for you. I want to, and I'm, I'm totally serious. I really expect you to do this because this really, really, really helps a ton. Just this week, keep like a little notebook with you. And you guys, you're going to feel probably pretty nerdy. You may not want to tell your wife you're doing it, but um, write anything down, anything that you appreciate about your spouse. Anything. Now, Lacey didn't even know that I've done this before. And I've had weeks where I was so mad at him that I wrote, I wrote stuff like, he has nice ears. I mean, that was the only thing I could think of for the day. But it was thanks. But it was just, it's so helpful because sometimes we dwell so much on, he's not doing this. She is doing this. I wish she wouldn't do that if she does that one more time. And then we don't understand why, when we get together, do we not get along? <laughs> well, you've only spent eight hours that entire day 
dwelling on all the stuff that bugs you. And so just as a fun thing, just one week, just write down on a piece of paper as, as, as God shows you, just little things that you appreciate about your spouse. Just, you don't have to share it with your spouse. Um, n- not anything like that. But you'll find your thinking changing. It's just like when we try to love someone and if someone talks bad about someone and they talk bad about them and they talk bad and then they're like, I'm just having such a hard time loving them. And it's like, well, maybe you should stop talking so bad about them then you would have an easier time loving them because it is what we think about. As a man thinketh, so is he, the book of Proverbs says. And then I wanted to read you these scriptures because we're talking about togetherness and the most important togetherness that we can have is first of all with God. I mean, with God. And again, at least in every marriage I've ever known, there's going to be times where your spouse not only won't meet your needs, but can't meet your needs. And there was an elderly lady that I admire very much, and she said that she and her husband had been married for 60 years, and they had gone to a counselor. Granted, we've never gone to a counselor because he said he'd rather pour gasoline on his head and light it on fire. (laughs) Is that agreement to you? No, but we'll talk about that later. Anyway, um, but yeah. That's the openness of our communication. Um, but um, it works. It still works. But um, she was just saying that she, that she was telling the counselor, you know, I have asked so-and-so for years to do such-and-such. Such. I've asked him for years, for 60 years. I've asked him. It's such a small thing. And he just won't. And she said that the counselor looked her in the eye and said he won't or he can't. And I thought, that's a really good question, because there's just some needs that only God can meet, that we want our spouse to meet for us. And God purposely says, no, I'm a jealous God. I want you to love me above all else. I gave you this person to cling to, to cleave onto, and to stick with, and to be together with. But I want you to know that nothing will separate you from my love. So... I want to read you some of my favorite scriptures. In Romans 8, 35, 37 through 39, it says, Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or the sword? Then in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the level, from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And um, I actually did put level, but that's because I was reading the Siri again into the iPad, which I'm just learning how to use. I'm like, how did we get level? We got love. Oh, well. But a level of love, a high level of love. Go to livingjesus.us to hear the rest of Kathleen's message and hundreds more at no cost. 
thousands of people in 40 countries. Download Kathleen's scripture-filled, Jesus-inspired, real-life messages at an increasing rate. Jesus said, freely you received, freely give, Matthew 10.8. If you are able, financially join us in reaching the world for Jesus. Go to livingjesus.us and freely give so that those who could never pay will continue to freely receive. 